This is the Frogcast. and welcome to the Frogcast. It only took 20 years, but the TCU Horn Frogs are back in the NCAA tournament. I'm old enough to remember when Billy, Top, Billy Tubbs and Lee Nalen got the Frogs into the tournament, only to get bounced by Florida State 20 years ago. But this is a do, new day. The Frogs are in the Big 12. Jamie Dixon has resurrected the program, and we're going to talk about the Frogs in the tournament, that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as always, with me tonight, I have Daniel and I have Jeremy. Uh, Daniel. We were talking before the show about uh, the, the the dormant land of being a TCU basketball fan. How much attention have you paid to the Frogs basketball program pre Jamie Dixon? <laughs> Not a whole lot, um, and, and I wasn't much of a uh, we were, like we were saying. I wasn't much of a college basketball fan or just basketball fan in general um, up until you know a couple years ago. Um, my uh, thirst for everything TCU grew so much that I even paid attention to crappy basketball. Um, but now uh, it's a completely just, it's a new, a new frontier um, for a lot of people. Uh, I was only like 14 uh, when the last time they went to uh, the tournament, I didn't know what was going on back then. Um, I was playing Nintendo 64 and that's about all I did. So, <laughs> this is uh it's it's neat it's a lot of fun it's 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 a whole new um i mean the nit was pretty cool um but that's not the dance as they call it and um and now we're there and um i just uh it's just amazing to be to be in such a spot considering where they were just three years ago you know it wasn't that long ago that the frogs were oh and 18 in the big 12 and um postseason was just kind of an afterthought uh, as much as anything. It was, a, it was a joke. And so, Jeremy, you were up there yesterday on campus for the, for the reveal party as the worst selection show I've ever seen in my life revealed that TCU was going to make the NCAA tournament. What was it like to be there on campus and see the team and see Coach Dixon and the excitement around this program? It's pretty cool. I mean, they, they did a, a pretty nice setup for the team up there. Uh, it, it was, I, I guess, just maybe season club – Club hold season ticket holders, I guess. I mean, there was there was a, a pretty good crowd there, um, and, and like everyone knew, I mean, the the, the frogs were going to be in the tournament, but I, I think the the biggest question mark was where they were going to be headed, and and uh, everyone was kind of just wondering, is it going to be Wichita? Is it going to be Dallas? Is it going to be uh, maybe Nashville? I don't think a lot of people were expecting Detroit, but it was uh, it was cool nonetheless just to see the the atmosphere, and it, it's just so crazy how. We're just a few years removed, like you said, Jeff, from being 0-18, TCU being 0-18, and now we're seeing them go 21-11, and they're a number six seed in the NCAA tournament, and they're having a great chance to, to play some Blue Bloods of college basketball if Arizona State, and you know the winner of Arizona State and Syracuse wins, you have a chance to play Syracuse, and if you somehow beat Syracuse, you have a chance to play Michigan State. So uh, traditional powers that TCU is going to have a chance to see while they're in Detroit, but man, it, it's, it's an exciting time up there around the basketball program. And I think the, I remember exactly where I was the last time TCU played in a tournament against Florida state. And 
I think the last time I can remember uh, TCU even making a tournament was when I had uh, EA Sports NCAA basketball. I think that's the last time I've ever seen them make a tournament in my uh, recent recollection. Yeah, I was uh, a senior at TCU the last time they made the NCAA tournament. I remember the the you know there was a big game against New Mexico that year that was nationally broadcast for the Frogs. You know, one big against a, a a powerhouse of of New Mexico at the time. That was a good that was a good team, a good program back then. And to see how far the fall the Frogs have fallen, and then now to see how far that they have they have be, essentially been resurrected, and to see this program continue to climb, it's great. You know, it's great. So for those of us that are my age, us old guys, to know that back when we were seniors, they were in the tournament, and now they are um, getting into the dance. What I, I guarantee you, this will not be the last time that Jamie Dixon leads TCU into the NCAA tournament. And I'm just excited for the program. So if you just step back and look at the investment that the university has made in winning basketball, you know, Schulmeyer Arena, and to see the, you know, the, the money they're putting down for facilities and coaches and, you know, attracting Coach Dixon to come here, it's a real testament not just to the basketball program but to the university. I mean, we can all remember when, you know, the football program was a national power, the baseball program was a national power, and the, foot, and the basketball program was an afterthought. Well, now the, you know, basketball program is, is going to, you know, Got a head start right. to be right there on equal footing with football and baseball, and that that says a lot. I stand by my my statement that um, you know, you know, Schloss and Patterson and Dixon are the best trio of the big three in the country, in my opinion. I know that there's other you know guys that that might be better at, at each of those. You know, Saban might be a better coach than Patterson, or you know, Coach K and Kyle Perry. But those three stacked up, I don't think anybody, any university, can touch what the three of them have done. And I think it's a testimony to leadership. Yeah, especially in the Big 12. I mean, I, I don't think you can find a better uh, a trio of coaches for football, baseball, and basketball. And, and like you said, Jeff, it was it's just amazing just to see the transformation of that basketball program all the way from uh, Show My Arena. You walk into the place, and, and I've talked to a lot of people that hadn't been over there in a few years and uh, step into that place and see everything up there now, the Hall of Fame, the, the club areas, just the – uh, the arena itself and, and how nice everything is and and just watching the basketball game just going to the basketball games this year was completely different than any year I've ever been up there it's in and that, that's not a knock against Jim Christian or Trent Johnson and those guys but it's just a different brand of basketball you can you can literally say TCU plays big boy basketball now and the way they had success this year in in being in the big 12 big 12 if you haven't noticed sent the the highest percentage of teams into the NCAA tournament seven out of the 10 teams made the tournament 70 percent and and that was the uh the highest percentage out of any conference in in America so you know TCU's playing really good basketball and they're playing really good basketball in the best conference in in college basketball so the the job Jamie Dixon is is has accomplished in just two short years I mean he wins the NIT his first year they're in, they're in the NCAA tournament his second year, and like you said, Jeff, they're they're not going in away away anytime soon. They've got a good nucleus coming back. They they've got to replace Kenrich and, and uh, Vlad next year and, and uh, Hamdi, but um, great class coming in. Going to have some size. You got Angus McWilliams is a guy that they really really talk good about, and uh, Kevin Samuel and some of those guys, bigger bodies. The the program's going to be around to stay as long as Dixon's around. I, I think it's going to be a, a become one of those um, schools that's one of the programs that's kind of in the same breath as uh, the TCU football team. I think people around the fans around TCU basketball are going to have a lot to cheer for over the next several years. 
Think how far the program has come from playing at the Wilkerson Grinds Activity Center in southeast Fort Worth to uh, going and tipping off against some of the big boys, whether it's Syracuse or win that game and be able to go and play against a, a Michigan State and to be in the same bracket as, you know, gosh, man, Duke and Kansas. This is just – this is rare air. But I like like we said, I don't think this is the last time that the, the Frogs are going to be in the tournament. Let's take a let's go ahead and take a look at uh, the pairings. You know, we first of all, did you guys watch? You know, Daniel, you you were watching on TV. Maybe did you watch any of the selection show? No, I had other things going on. I, but it's from what I've everything I've read, I'm really glad I missed it. <laughs> I tweeted out, I would rather do it the old school way, where you just got the paper in the morning and cut out the bracket to see where everybody was playing, as opposed to that. Oh, that was awful to watch. That was terrible. Um, I don't know who – it was the lowest watch bracket show, and part of that was that it was on TBS and not CBS. But I don't know who the and wizards are that came up with this one, but it, sure, it, was, it was awful to watch. Did they have it on the big screen on campus, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but <clears throat> they had it on the big screen, but I don't think a whole lot of people were paying attention to it until they actually started uh, naming the teams that made it into the tournament. and. Um, I guess you can when they're uh, name of the regions, everyone was kind of paying attention to it just just to figure out. It was funny because every time uh, Dallas would pop up, you know, the boys would get kind of excited, thinking, "Oh man, we might have a chance to play in Dallas." And then they'd see some other teams making, they're like, "What in the world?" You know, so it, it was kind of fun just to watch them uh, react to some of those teams getting into the tournament and, and having a chance to play wherever they were going to play. But you could tell that. <clears throat> They're excited to go wherever they wherever they were going to go. Detroit is not ideal for for the fan base because that's a that's a long haul for TCU fans. And uh, I think ideally they would love to have played in in Dallas or Wichita or even Nashville um, because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get to. But um, they're excited. I mean, I think the fan base excited and the, the basketball players the players themselves are really excited. I think it's. Uh, what fans wish for, you know, that last year everyone was talking about, hey, would you rather win the NIT or go to the NCAA tournament? And now fans are getting what they wish for. You know, I was thinking they would actually send TCU to Pittsburgh. You know, I know they like to set up. (laughs) That would have been great. I would have loved that. I mean, they should have, they should have had a sacrifice to bring Jamie Dixon back uh, on the center of campus. Could you imagine? That's, that was was joked about. That was actually joked about before everything came down and uh, how they were kind of, I, I don't think they were really wanting um, Jamie to go back up there to Pittsburgh, even though that would be, uh, I mean, it, it would have been a great story. I mean, here you go. It would have been a great he's, story. He's gone from Pitt. The guy you know, goes 0-18 in the ACC this year. He comes up there, and if Jamie would have won that won that, re, that, uh, that first or second first or second round game, I mean, could you imagine just the, just the media up there going nuts over the thing? That that would have been great. You know, the two things I thought they were going to do, actually, I thought they were actually going to put TCU in Pittsburgh, and I thought they were going to match up Texas and Texas A&M to make them play, and uh, they didn't do either one of those. So I was, I was kind of disappointed with both, because if you're going to send us up north, might as well send us to Pittsburgh. They would have – can you imagine the self-loathing of their fan base right. of watching Jamie, Jamie Dixon come? Take, let's be honest. Take a dormant program and, and put it right back into the tournament in year two, so – 
Let's take a look at the bracket here. The Frogs are playing um, in one of these play-in games. It went to it, they're they're playing the winner of a play-in game. This went to sixty-eight, I think four, or, you know, five or six years ago. But TCU plays the winner of Arizona State Syracuse. Arizona State Syracuse plays in Dayton in the play-in game, and they're they're both eleven seeds. Um, of course, Syracuse is coached by uh, Hall of Fame coach uh, Jim Beheim. And Arizona State, for those of you that are old like me, is coached by Bobby Hurley, who played with uh, Christian Leitner at Duke. Oh, yeah. And so this is, this is some big names. These are people that uh, if you follow college basketball, you're going to know who they are, whether that's Carmelo winning a title or Bobby Hurley being on the court for that Kentucky-Duke game 20-some years ago. This, this is big boy basketball. So, you know, Jeremy, what, was your, what did you hear from, the, from the, the staff and from maybe some of the players about, about what they think they're going to be stepping into for, with either one of these teams, whether it's Arizona State or Syracuse? Well, <clears throat> the players didn't, didn't have a whole lot of feedback just because they, they haven't played either one of those teams. I mean, obviously, everyone knows about Syracuse. They're going to come out in the 2-3 zone, and there's nothing going to change with that. You know what you're going to see on defense. They know they're a blue blood program have a lot of history and tradition behind the program know that the coach is one of the top coaches in america and, and, and one of the top coaches all time in college basketball uh dixon was more uh he I, I think he's way more prepared than what people would think he's he's watched a lot of arizona state basketball he obviously uh, has a history playing syracuse so many times and he he made a joke around that he can have uh the rest of the staff can scout arizona state and get the game uh, game ready uh, and, and in Syracuse he'll just scout them alone by himself he doesn't need any of their help and he was just joking around about it but that's how familiar he is with uh, Syracuse but he did say he's watched a lot of Arizona State basketball this year and, and uh, he thinks they're prepared for both of them he he said the one thing that's different is they've never had to play in, in his time at Pitt they've never had to play uh, a winner of a play-in game so you have that going for them they have a you know the playing game will obviously have one game under their belt so they don't have as much rest and and but they also have the flow of the game behind them so they'll they'll be ready to play and obviously tcu has to wait till friday to get to get on the court so that's something that he says he's got to prepare for but i think uh with with dixon he's he's very familiar with both programs and i think that that's the best thing to have it's kind of like with the football team when you have uh when you give gary patterson a few extra days to prepare. There's, there's a team out there that you're worried about. It, it seems like he always has uh, some sort of knowledge about the particular team. And, and that's what you got with Dixon. I mean, he's, he's a, a great game planner and, and uh, he's going to have those boys prepared, whoever they play Arizona state or Syracuse. You look at our bracket, Daniel, in uh, the Midwest regional, which is what the frogs are ultimately placed in. You got Kansas, You've got NC State, Clemson, Auburn, TCU, Arizona State, Syracuse, Michigan State, Oklahoma, and Duke. And lest we leave out the powerhouse of Iona. Um, do you feel like the Frogs got a good draw? Do you feel like that they got uh, you know placed at number six there, um, that that's an appropriate setting? Or do you think that they should have been a little higher, maybe a little lower? Because it seems like this bracket is pretty darn stacked. To the best of my knowledge, I would think that's pretty fair. Um, remember, this is all kind of new territory for a lot of us. Um, I just plain don't know a lot of those teams. Obviously, I know Duke's really good and all that mess. And then there's like Michigan State's pretty good and things like that. But I feel I feel there's definitely 
teams better and there's definitely a few teams worse. So I, I think it's just fine the way it is. Um, and that's my layman's perspective. You know, I agree with you. I think our bracket might be a little little heavy compared to others. The the one thing I don't like about the Midwest Regional, Michigan State is a three seed, so it's not like they're number one. It's not like they're you know one of the the top uh, top five teams in the country. And their first and second round is in Detroit. That that doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. Were people complaining about that, Jeremy? Well, I mean, I think the the biggest thing is you you're going to go up there to. Detroit, Michigan, and you know if you win the first game and Michigan State wins, which, which obviously they're they're going to beat uh, Bucknell, I, and you're going to have to face that home court advantage. It's like going up to the Big 12 tournament when you're playing against Kansas State or Kansas. You, you face a, a heavy uh, emphasis on the Kansas teams, and that's what you're going to face when you go up to uh, Michigan. I mean, there's going to be I don't even, I, I can't even put into for, you know into numbers what the what the difference in the fan bases will be, and that's no knock against TCU fans. They're obviously not going to travel thousands upon thousands of fans up to Detroit, Michigan, like Michigan State's going to be able to. Yeah, I do like that we're a late game. I think we should get some eyes on that game for, especially if we're playing Syracuse. That's something that people, especially on that corridor in the East Coast, that just you know is yeah. obsessed with college basketball. I think we're going to get a pretty good. Um, I think we're going to get a lot of eyes on that game, and it'll be interesting to see what TCU is going to be able to do on that national stage. It's going to be fun. Um, just soak it up, Frog fans. This is what we wanted, and um, I sure hope that we can get a good crowd to Detroit as well as get a lot of eyeballs on that game because it's a, it's a national game. It's going to be on CBS. It's going to be in prime time, and uh, the Frogs are going to have a chance to make a statement as they have most of this season. Did you? Guys- I think it's pretty cool that you know. I think it's pretty cool. You know, you think back to 2010 when the Frogs played in a their the really big bowl game in the Rose Bowl, and and they got a chance to play a. A pretty good traditional power in Wisconsin, and then you look at their uh, their basketball. First time they make the tournament in 20 years, and they have a chance to really play a, a blue blood in, in Syracuse, and that's going to be uh, something fun to watch. To see and TCU go against uh, arguably one of the top college basketball coaches in the history of the game, and that that's pretty cool for them to have a chance to do that first round. Yeah, it is. It's great to get that uh, marquee title. It's, it's We're not getting like we were in 2009 with football where you make the BCS Bowl and then you have to play Boise State. No, Boise they get a State. chance. Uh, yeah. You get a chance against, uh, you know, and who knows, maybe Hurley and, and Arizona State will beat Syracuse, but I think Syracuse, um, this is not his first rodeo. This is not Bayham's first rodeo. He's been whining on national television since I was a little kid. So, Hey, did, he y'all, did, he y'all, notice the, did y'all notice the one team that made it in there that uh, TCU played early in the season? That a lot of uh, TCU TCU kind of played them close, but every, but Jamie Dixon said that team right there will be in the NCAA tournament. You can mark my words right now. Texas Southern, uh, start, Texas Southern starts zero and thirteen, and and he said after they beat them, they're going to go to the tournament. Mark it down right now. That team will be an NCAA tournament team. Didn't He's they right. play something like ten power programs in yes. their first thirteen games? Yeah. And yeah. and just got in a bar fight with all of them. They just came up on the short end every single time. Because that was a was was that not like a one point game with under ten in the game? It was it was close, man. I remember being there, and yeah. they had like a seven foot two center. I mean, he was seven two and about one hundred and twenty pounds. Just looked like a rail, but he was, <laughs> he was so tall. But I mean, it, if you look back early in the year when they're when they're getting the when they started the year twelve and zero, they had wins over Texas Southern, Saint Bonnie, Saint. Uh, Bonaventure made the tournament. Nevada made the tournament. 
And yes, this this is a good team, man. I'm I'm telling you, TCU's going to surprise some people. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're going to have a chance to surprise some people. And I think if I remember this tweet right, uh, Dixon, Coach Dixon is 14 and six against Jim Mayheim. They obviously have history in the ACC oh, and yeah. the Big yeah. East, so he is he is not afraid. Um, he is not the inferior here. So that's going to be a, that could be a great matchup to see the two of them go at it like it's a like it's an old Big Monday game in the old Big East. So. That'll be that'll be fun to watch, and hopefully that, that's a matchup I want. If that hasn't been abundantly clear, so. yeah. Texas Southern has a fantastic name. I'll just say that. Nobody. What their mascot or just their name? The name Texas Southern. That's a pretty good name. That's a pretty good name. <laughs> Mike Davis is the the coach there that used to be at Indiana, and. Um, so he's he's been around the block. He got deep into the NCAA tournament at uh, in Indiana. So yeah, that that is a good team. I'd forgotten that we had played them, and that 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 kind of escaped me. So we also yeah, that's brought- one of the historic. Uh, I was just going to say that's one of the historic black uh, colleges and universities, and they got a they got a strong tradition there. Were you all surprised by Oklahoma getting in? And were you all surprised by anything? Any of the uh, Baylor not getting in, or Oklahoma State get not getting in, and and uh, Oklahoma getting in? I was surprised Oklahoma got in. I I know they say the whole season matters, but man, if you, I, you know, I'm torn because I actually think they can do some damage. Um, I don't want to overthink this, but the first time you see Trey Young, he can put 48 on you, yeah. and so when you get you get you got Rhode Island, Oklahoma is going to beat Rhode Island, and then they play Duke. I would not be surprised if they make some noise. Now they could get bounced in the first round, but I was surprised that they got in because man, that they ended, they were so weak in the back half of the season. Mm. And I felt bad for Oklahoma state. I know they didn't do anything in the non non conference, but I thought that they deserved to be in and I didn't feel bad at all for Baylor. <laughs> no, no, that was great. Um, yeah, that was a great decision by the committee. Yeah, put TCU in, leave Baylor out. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of you when I saw that. So yeah, Baylor. I think Baylor was the last team yeah. out. They were one of the last four. Or the, out. the first team. The, the yeah, they were one of the last four out. So yeah, I, I they had a, they didn't have a, they had a down year, and I think their recruiting has suffered a little bit. So mm. I, I think they've had a down year, and you know, obviously, you know, he's a great Drew is a great coach, you know, but. They just had a, they just they just didn't cut the mustards this year. They when they went zero and two against TCU, they didn't get a lot of top wins. So I think that's just kind of what it is. So if we if we'd have had a conference that didn't play a round robin, they're probably honestly in the tournament. But that's just life in the Big Twelve. The yeah, you know, anybody else that got in, Jeremy, that you were surprised by? Anybody else that uh, was seated higher or lower than you thought? I thought I thought Texas Tech, or actually, I thought West Virginia being a five was. I was surprised they were that low. Um, I, I figured they would have been a three or four, especially after making it to the Big Twelve title game. And Texas Tech's actually ranked yeah. higher than them with a three seed. Um, I think Texas Tech deserved the three seed, but I didn't know they were going to be that high. But it's, it's interesting, interesting. I can't wait, can't wait for this stuff to start. Any predictions? How far are the frogs going to go? Daniel, go ahead and say it. Sweet 16. Oh, hot sports opinion right there. You got them beating winner of Arizona State Syracuse, them beating Michigan State. 
Yep. And so they, you think they lose to Duke? How bad would this be? How bad would this be? (laughs) You want to hear the worst scenario possible? They, they beat Arizona state or Syracuse. Okay. Then they upset Michigan state. Jeff, Oklahoma beats Rhode Island. Then they upset Duke. So it's a rematch. It's a rematch. And then TCU gets rematch of TCU and Oklahoma and Oklahoma beats them for the third time. Would that not be the biggest, would that not be the biggest gut punch to TCU fans? You know, if that happened, Mark Cohen, he would never tweet this, but this is a Mark Cohen S tweet. TCU bet football and basketball becomes the first team to ever go 0 and 5 <laughs> against a single team in one no, he season. He would never tweet that. I promise you. <laughs> Cuz that's what it would be. He would never tweet it, but it would be it would be of that vein where it's just the oddest stat that you're like Usually you cheer for his uh, particular uh, 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 framing of stats, and this one would just make you want to grab a bottle of Jim Beam. So, yeah, that would be the worst. That would be the worst. TCU fans, I mean, how how would you react to that? How would you – they make the Sweet 16, but then they lose to Oklahoma. I mean, would you even consider – I mean, would you even say, well, hey, we made the Sweet 16, but you lost to Oklahoma. I mean, what what would y'all's feelings be on that? It would suck because Oklahoma fans are annoying enough with beating us twice this year in football or this past season, whatever. So then all the basketball games combined, then uh, that would just be because they're kind of it's it's kind of like a matchup like TCU and Kansas State. They're so close. It w- you just you, you toss up a ball and figure out who's going to win. I mean that's because they. I mean Oklahoma beat them twice, but they beat them. It, it was close both games. Yeah, it would it would be brutal in the moment, but then you step back like I and and look at it with the perspective that we have from this year's football season, right. which was Oklahoma was a better football team than TCU, and TCU was still a top ten team. I don't know that I I don't know that I could quite swallow it as much this time because I think TCU is a better basketball team than Oklahoma, and they're definitely a better basketball team than Oklahoma on March twelfth. And so that's where I think that it would be very difficult to deal with that uh, amazingly hypothetical scenario that I would love to see proven wrong with TCU beating Oklahoma. I would love for Oklahoma to get to the Sweet 16. I'd love for I'd love for all the Big 12 teams to make a deep run. It would be it would be good for the conference. So I would love that chance to beat Oklahoma. What about you? What what's your what's your uh, prediction here, Jeremy? I think the Frogs are going to get to the second round and get beat by Michigan State. That's that's my that's my assessment. Well, there's only been uh, this team has won 21 games, and there's only been just really one game where they got just beat to smithereens, and that was at home against Texas Tech. That's the game that they did not look good in at all. And I think I said it either today or, or earlier in the show. There's there's not a team that I don't think out of this this whole uh, bracket that they can't beat. There's they could beat every single team um, that's in the tournament. And that's kind of where I'm feeling right now, not to sound like I'm wearing purple shaded glasses or being a homer, um, but I, I do think they could beat Syracuse or Arizona State, and I do think they, they have it in them to beat a team like Michigan State. It's obviously going to be tough because it's going to feel like a road game to them, but I obviously think they could beat Michigan State, and if they could get somehow to the Sweet 16, and I, it was crazy hypothetical with Oklahoma being there. I think Duke's going to be there. I, I don't know if they could get past Duke, but I, I do think – I'm with Daniel. I do think they can make it to the Sweet 16 because 
That, that, that's why they call it March Madness. All it takes is one win. You don't have to beat these teams two out of three times or three out of five. It just takes one win, and I think they could beat any of those teams in the bracket one time. No, they can beat any of those teams in the bracket one time, and they can beat Michigan State. Like there's, I mean, I got them losing in the second round, but yes, they can beat Michigan State. There's no doubt about it. So you would love to, love to be in that spot. If, if, if the Frogs beat Jim Beheim and uh, Izzo in back-to-back games, how amazing would that be? I would actually, that would be amazing. So th- th- that's two Hall of Fame coaches getting slayed by Jamie Dixon and the Frogs. So I'm all for that. I think, and I think just the fact that they've been battle-tested with playing in the Big 12, um, playing against teams, they played Kansas close both times. They played West Virginia, beat West Virginia once, um, played Texas Tech. They had the, they had the win, love it till late game, um, played Kansas State very tough all year. And they've they've been battle tested, so there's there's nothing that they're not <laughs> they're not going to be ready for. There's nothing any team that they're going to see is going to throw at them that they're not going to be ready for. So uh, even even games like you know going against Texas when they have uh, Bomba, the seven foot center. I mean, it's they've they've gone against bigger players. They've gone against uh, arguably the most athletic point guards in America, and in, in, in uh, uh, Trey Young and, and Jevin Carter and uh, Keenan Evans from Texas Tech. So there, there's there's going to be uh, Guys, it's just it's just like when in, in football terms, when you play against tough teams, and and you play against another tough team, it's great because you you've been battle tested. They and this basketball team has definitely been battle tested all year long, and and that's why I think this is this is a great chance for them to show the rest of the nation not only how far they've come as a program, but really how good the Big Twelve overall is good as a basketball conference. <coughs> let's uh go ahead and switch don't get all choked up on me let's sorry i was co- getting I was, emotional just thinking about that sweet 16 already jeff sorry man I'm, I'm i'm fighting off a cold here and i thought i had it on mute i apologize so if you guys enjoyed <laughs> listening to me cough while sitting on traffic in 820 that's uh you can you can thank me for that let's go ahead and switch gears here obviously we have an amazing uh, basketball season that uh, we're in the second wave of that season now with tournament time but football is here and we love to talk about tcu football Spring practice is in full swing. We had the Night of Champions. The Frogs have been out on the field for a week. Frogs are on spring break right now. But, Jeremy, you've been out there. You talked about it last week when, with the available, press availability with Coach Patterson. But what have you picked up in the tea leaves or from your sources about how practice has gone this first week, as well as you know maybe some changes in the coaching staff, changes in scheme, players that we need to know about, guys – Love to listen to this stuff. They they hang on every single word you say and will hold you accountable for it for three years. So just tell us some good news right now, what you're hearing on Frog Football. Well, the, well, the good news is Coach P's in Africa on a safari, and every time he goes to Africa, the, the team always has a good year um, the following year. So that, then that's one of the things he told me last year when, when I spent the whole day with him. He said, every time I go to Africa, we seem to always have a good year. So I think he's using some of that superstition to – help the team out even more this upcoming season. But, um, the, the guys have, uh, it's, it's not, there hasn't been much change in everything. They're still, um, holding some guys out, uh, just for precautionary reasons. It, not to sound like I'm a Debbie Downer, but it, it's really one of those, those springs that I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement and everything because there's so many players that aren't going to go, uh, full steam ahead during the spring. And, and, mainly because they don't want to get them injured in spring and they want to have them ready for the fall. So uh, on the injury front, front, it's kind of the same way it was last week. You still got guys that are 
wearing the green jerseys. You still have guys that are out there in the red jerseys. Um, the quarterback battle, Sean's still out there in front. Michael Collins is definitely still in it. And uh, it's the fun, the funny thing about it is after <clears throat> after uh, I started talking about Michael Collins last week and everyone else started talking about Michael Collins, it was it was funny because more and more people started coming out of the woodwork saying, you know what, I've heard about this guy being good. I've heard about this guy being good. And everyone everyone uh, kept talking about, you know, how, how much they've been hearing it. So it, it's really not it's 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 really out there it's not a joke i mean michael collins is is definitely uh definitely uh pushing sean robinson and um the funny thing is is like it, it, i don't think anyone i don't think the the program <laughs> he was kind of a sleeper in other words i mean there was a select few that knew how good he could be and now he's no longer a sleeper and everyone's kind of getting the last laugh saying hey look what we have here uh, as his backup quarterback and, and potentially a starting guy if he if he uh, is able to beat out Sean. But I think Sean is um, definitely the starter going into the fall, and he's obviously the the better runner, and uh, he's he's earned the right to be the starter right now, just like Gary said last week, because he's got a he's got a, a game under his belt, start under his belt, and some pretty intense situation up in Lubbock and making his first start on the road. And so he's earned the right to, to be the starter, but the quarterback depth chart is, is, uh, definitely, definitely looking good. I know a lot of people are, were ready to see Kenny Hill leave. And I know a lot of people were ready to, you know, see how good Sean was going to be. And, and some people, you know, they appreciated what Kenny Hill was able to do last year and, and said it was a successful season. So there's, there's some people that, um, still really want to see what Sean can do. I, yeah. I hated that top 10 finish. That was brutal. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I know. I know. I hated uh, that. But I hated, I, I hated curb stopping Baylor and, and beating Stanford. That was awful. Yeah. He, I know. I, I'm a, I've been labeled a Kenny Hill apologist since the day he stepped on the field, and his time is done. And he did he did great things. So no matter I'm glad what, no he, matter, I'm glad for what he did. In in that situation, people are gonna once once uh, a player's been labeled by someone, and so, even even the yeah. even the Trevon Boykin haters. I mean, it took it, there were still some people out there just oh. waiting for Trevon to do one little thing so they could say, oh, well, he's back to his old ways, throwing interceptions, making bad mistakes, and when, when people are like that, they just, they want to be able to prove themselves right. I mean, all of us have those guys that we know that are like that. They wait for the worst to happen so they can go around, stick their chest out, say, see, told you, told you he was that bad. I told you, I told you, I told you. And, and there's people right now, there's people right now squeezing onto their steering wheel, getting pissed off. It's all get out at us because they know we're talking about them. But, uh, you know, it's, that's all right. <laughs> as far as the, that's all right. Our, you know, it's so funny. Our, my Twitter followers go down the day our show gets released. I think it's response to it. I can't keep track of it, and they they unfollow, and then a couple of days later they come back. So, you know, no. as far as the, uh, there's there's only been one week of practice, and in, in in like I've said before, the first five days is really just teaching, and and uh, they did have a scrimmage um, before they took off, I believe, last Saturday, and and uh, you know, it, there's there's just really not a whole lot coming out of the camp right now. I think we'll start to see if anything really comes out, it'll be um, toward the end. And, and, and as it gets closer to uh, the April 7th spring game, but it's, it's tough to, there's, there's not going to be, there's not going to be a, a ton of movement 
just in the first few practices that they've had. One of the changes that has been announced is uh, Jason Phillips is no longer with the program. He's been a graduate assistant for the last couple right. of years. Obviously, was an all-conference player for for Coach Batterson, and you know had a career in the NFL. Started to get back into coaching through graduate school here at TCU. Tell us a little bit about that transition and what might be next for him. Well, I mean, it, it was it was crazy because it just it just kind of came out of left field again because he was. Um, listed as a defensive analyst he wasn't a ga anymore and and so i i don't know if it was one of those deals where he he really wanted to be named a coach and and uh obviously jeremy modkins was named the 10th coach and and a lot of that has to do with uh jeremy's ability to go out there and recruit and uh you know from what i understand is that they didn't feel jason was going to be as good a recruiter as as uh jeremy would have been and uh, I, I think, you know, without putting words in too many people's mouths, I think the the thing that Jason's going to end up doing is probably going down to the high school ranks, if he's even going to be involved in coaching at all. But I, I don't know where his next move is going to be, but a few people I've talked with have said that they think he's going to try to join a high school staff somewhere. And his dad's actually still the coach down in Waller, Texas, so I could, I could see him being part of that and being part of the high school scene. But uh, he did a lot of great things for TCU. I mean, obviously, uh, you look at the linebackers, the way they've played the last couple of years, Traven Howard and Ty Summers. And Traven's the all-time leading tackler, broke you know, broke uh, Jason's record uh, for the most tackles in the in, for a linebacker under Gary Patterson. And Ty Summers is, I think, only 65 tackles away from breaking Traven's record. And so he's done a good job coaching linebackers. And when I was over there last year and just seeing his interaction with the rest of the defensive coaches and, and coach Patterson, he's, he's got a great mind for the game and, and he's, and he's very smart, but um, obviously when you want to become a, a division one, division one coach, you, there's, there's other things and just knowing the X and O's, you got to be out there and, and uh, represent the university the best way. And, and, uh, know how to recruit and everything else. And that's just one of the things that I kind of heard that he, he wasn't as good at as, as some of the other coaches like Jeremy Modkins. So um, best of luck to him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a great dude and he works hard and I know he'll uh, land on his feet somewhere. Yeah. Great member of the Horn Frog family. So uh, thanks for everything you did coach Phillips and, and best of luck moving forward. Since last time we, we talked last weekend, the frogs have picked up two commitments, um, both of them on the offensive line. Marcus Williams out of Longview, an offensive lineman committed, as well as the big commitment of Brandon Bowen, or Brandon Brown, excuse me, out of Helotes down in suburban San Antonio. Two big offensive linemen committed, both just short of 300 pounds, both six foot five. Jeremy, tell us a little bit about Marcus as well as Brandon and um, a little bit about what, what transpired to lead to their commitment. Well, Marcus was one of those guys. If you the the last podcast we had before they committed, I listed him as a guy that was at the junior day that I thought would commit, and uh, and I and I thought he'd commit because um, the the job that Jared Anderson has always done down in East Texas and his relationship with uh, Coach King down there at Longview, uh, they have a great rapport, and, and uh, Coach King is is not afraid. In exact words I said the last podcast, he's not afraid to send uh, his players up to TCU and. Uh, Williams is kind of a, a, a guy that, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is uh, a raw talent right now. He's got great size. He's 6'6", 
He's 285 right now. I think he's put on 40 pounds in the last year. He's got a, a great long frame, and that's the one thing they're really looking for out of offensive linemen this year, especially when they're going for tackles. They want to see those long kids. If they're around the 6'6", 270 to 300-pound range, that's that's even better. But uh, he's he's got great feet and uh, obviously a good long reach. And talking with uh, some of the people I, uh, I talk with, I, I know he was – one of the top four targets that they had on their on their uh, radar as far as offensive line goes. So getting him was pretty big. It was pretty funny because uh, I, I knew he committed, and I was trying to get the kid to confirm. And first thing he says, I, I'm not real big on on uh, you know spilling things through social media. And so it, it, it reminded me immediately of uh, Chris Dyke last year when he committed, and the only thing he said on Twitter was I'm committed and that's, it. that's it. I mean, that's all you got from Chris and, and uh, you know, for Marcus, he's, he's not a, he's not a kid of very many words. He just likes to get out there and play football. And that's the way they like it over there at TCU. They, they like guys that aren't going to be out there and uh, tweeting all kinds of things and, and just go about their business as football players and as uh, student athletes. But uh, you Brandon know, those, Brown, those, East, oh, those East Texas kids are different. Those East Texas kids have a different mentality than, than a kid from, from Collin County. So I, I think sure. that's much in line with the staff out in East Texas and the, and the kind of players they produce. I, I love, I loved reading that, that he basically said, I don't talk a whole lot, but yeah, I'm committed. I like that. Yeah. And, and it, it, the, the, the commitments didn't stop with him. I mean, getting Brandon Brown, it was, it was another huge one. And, I thought I had that sucker crystal balled for months, and I Greg Powers told me, "Hey, you haven't crystal balled him," and and I was just, I was so mad at myself because I'd been kind of mentioning Brandon Brown as a guy to keep an eye on forever, and and uh, getting him was was really big. Uh, it, that that was one of their their very early targets for this 2019 class. They offered him early on, and uh, he was at a camp uh, I think the the year before his sophomore uh, year. O'Connor and and uh, they really targeted him since then and and Chris Thompson and Sonny really already had a, a great relationship with the family. Both those guys when they were up at Texas Tech recruited uh, Brandon's older brother, and uh, so he he already had the relationship built with them, and uh, it it was really an easy choice for him when when uh, it was time for him to decide. I, I didn't think he was going to decide real quick. Uh, when I talked to him last week and or a couple weeks ago in Houston at the, uh, the the opening regional, he had he had told me straight up he used the team to beat, and uh, he even told me that you know I was joking around with him about hey where should I put my crystal ball and this is what makes me even matter because I was stinking joking around with the kid where I should put my crystal ball and he told me TCU and I still never went and put it in I'm I'm horrible at those things, but uh, he got. Uh, he uh, he was you know just speaking great volumes about TCU and and uh, I know some Texas Tech people thought that they had a great chance with them because uh, his older brother obviously played there but he was kind of creating his own path and and uh, you know he's he's uh, going to be a kid that can come in and compete right away he's he's a big kid he's six legit six five three hundred pounds he'll play guard and he's he reminds me of a lot. Of, uh, of a guy like Wes Harris, a guy that can come in and they're going to have really high expectations for, and uh, he can come in and compete for immediate playing time on, on the depth chart, whether uh, he's a second teamer. And, and I think he could actually compete for a first team spot just because uh, he's that type of player. So those getting those two guys is 
really big for the offensive line for the class. They, they really have a huge need for the big guys up front for this class. And they've got Justin Osborne already. They've got Marcus and obviously Brandon. So they're off to a great start and they're sitting pretty for a guy uh, like Andrew Coker. And he's a, he's another great lineman that impressed a ton of people down at the, uh, re, the opening regional down in Houston. And, and I had you cracking up last week cause I told you he slimmed down. I mean, he really did when you go from 350 to 305. I mean, it, it, it it's very noticeable with the way he moves now. And, uh, I think he impressed a, a ton of people down there at that camp. And, uh, me and Greg powers actually thought he was the top offensive lineman there. He, he did great in one-on-one showed excellent footwork and, I know uh, TCU is in very good shape with him, but the one team that you got to watch out for with his recruitment is Texas A&M. He really likes the Aggies a lot, and I think if the Aggies come through with an offer, that would be very tough for him to pass up. But right now, TCU is looking pretty to him. Well, before we wrap up, anything else on recruiting that Frog fans might want to keep their eye on this week as they're getting ready for the NCAA tournament? Well, I will address the the whole silent yes, commit deal. Um <laughs> just so just so I can get some uh, clarification, uh, give some clarification, not get um, the the biggest uh, thing I could tell from from what I posted last week before Brandon committed. I, I'd made a post on the board that another uh, commitment was on the way. And I was told this by several people. And I, I know who it is. I'm not obviously going to say who it is because I don't want to ruin it for the kid. But. I reached out to the kid several times and even reached out to the coach and it, there's just no confirmation yet. Uh, and, and I don't think they want it out there yet. I think the kid kind of wants to quietly keep his recruitment open and, and, and kind of see what comes his way. I can't say he visited TCU already and um, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. But it was funny because it, they all kind of got, uh, bunched together because an hour after I got that information is when I got the information about Brandon Brown committing. And so everyone thought I was kind of mentioned, uh, kind of talking about Brandon Brown, but I actually was talking about a different kid. And then I got information on Brandon Brown about an hour later. And then later on that night, I got information about another kid that has already told the, the coaches that he wants to come to TCU, but he's, uh, he's making an announcement on a, on a, a date later this month. And, uh, I've got to, I've got to check to see if that's still going to go down. But, uh, if they get these guys they are obviously right now in the top 10 and if they get those two guys, they'll, they'll move up a little bit more. So the, the, the coaches are doing a fantastic job out there recruiting right now. And they're still, even though they're off this week, they're still out there offering kids and, and, uh, watching a lot of game game film and, and, and tape and just evaluating still coach P's over there watching his line linebackers and uh, or linebackers, whatever they call them, the lines and rhinos and elephants and all these other animals you see on safaris and his coaches are still <laughs> working pretty hard. Well, I think we have uh, exhausted what we're going to talk about tonight, folks. So I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast 
We have been talking about the NCAA tournament, recruiting, and spring practice. And uh, as always, this is your one-stop shop for all the information on that front. We've got the the broadcast that we've been running here for a couple of years. We're now proud members of TCU 24-7. If you're not a member of Horn Frog Blitz, I don't know what you're waiting for. You need to go join today and stay connected to the, the ultimate insider of Jeremy Clark and also a great community that you can be a part of. And you can come downvote everything I post. I would love for you to do that. Also, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Go give us a rating. Those ratings go a long way. So if you want to give us a five-star rating, I'd appreciate that. Uh, My wife, who has never listened to this show, gave us a five-star rating. So I sure hope that you can uh, go do that yourself. We would really appreciate that. So as always, for Daniel and for Jeremy, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. 